This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Good morning, everybody. Um, it is so good seeing all of your faces. Some I know well, some I don't uh, know as well. Uh, we're glad you're here. If you've been here, uh, there was a couple guys that were here last week. I was like, hey, sorry, didn't meet y'all then. But nice seeing y'all back. Good to see y'all again this morning. Um, well, uh, Corey said a little bit. My name is Stephen. Um, I am the student minister here. And apparently that means that if you don't interact, I don't know how to give a sermon. Uh, so please do that so that uh, God's word can be shared this morning. I kid, I kid. Um, well, it's, it's amazing, honestly, uh, how God works. See, um, I'm speaking for a friend's fifth through seventh grade camp this week. Um, so a sermon I've actually prepared for that. Uh, I hope I don't speak too much to you like you're a 10-year-old, but uh, I didn't realize this until yesterday after everything was planned that uh, how perfect this sermon is for today on Father's Day. See, we're going to be looking through the middle section of the story of the prodigal son. And if you don't know what exactly that is, I want to give you a, a brief rundown because we're not going to uh, talk through the beginning of it. But Jesus is talking to the scribes and the Pharisees. These were people that always followed all the rules. They knew all of the scriptures. They knew everything like uh, what, what Bible drill when they were kids. Like they always were the first one to find Hebrews 7, 12 in their Bible. Like they were always on point. Is there a Hebrews 7, 12? Well, you're really embarrassing. They're okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, yep, right? Yep, y'all didn't interact, so I failed. No. Um, no, yeah, so, so the story, right? Jesus talking to people who knew it all, and they were grade A God followers, or at least they felt like they were. So he tells them this parable of, of a father and two sons. And see, what happens at the beginning is the younger son comes up to dad, and he says, hey, dad, I want my inheritance. I want to bail. And whether we're talking about biblical times or today times, as I call them, this would be so offensive to the father because what the son is saying is, I would rather you be dead. Like your stuff is more valuable than your life to me. So can I just have your stuff? And the father says, okay. So the son takes his half of the inheritance and he goes out and he spends it on a fast and furious and a motley crew lifestyle. And, and, and he's at, in the clubs, he's with women, he's drinking and just wastes the money. And then a famine comes to the land. And it's then in that famine when he realizes he should probably have kept some of that money or maybe not left his father. So he is homeless, he is foodless, and he has nothing. And at one point he is in his mind going, I just wish I could dig through the mud for the slop that the pigs have knocked out of the trough. Like that sounds so good to me. And he gets to this point where he's in the lowest of lows and even pig slop is, is like a dream for food. So, and where we're going to join in, um, in, in Luke chapter 15, if you want to prepare your Bibles for that, uh, that way, whenever I start to read it here later, you're not like, oh, I'm still turning, I can't figure that. Luke 15, uh, we're going to read, and told it's going to be 17 through 24. Um, but going into this, like, the son is making a decision, okay, like, my life, I chose to leave my dad, I wasted my money, there's a famine in the land, and I need him again. And that's what we're going to look at today. But before we do, um, I've prepared my contestants in the room. So uh, contestants, oh, I, like I said, this is for a fifth through seventh grade camp. So to the contestants, come on down. I've got a little game to start us off. Give them a round of applause. Y'all can just kind of line up right. Yeah, yeah, down there. Down there is fine. Don't take my stage. My stage is for me. Uh, scoot over. We need to make sure, yeah, you're in frame there, Joel. All right. All right. Thanks, thanks. So what has happened? Did I keep this? I did. All right, so we have four cups of coffee here. I'll let you turn around and you can pick your, let me stir them. Let me make sure that you can't cheat. 
Um, We've got four cups of coffee here this morning. The cold brew, who tried the cold brew? Round of applause for the cold brew. Now, I'm not just saying that because I made it and I want to feel uh, worthy, but no. Okay, so pick your cup. And the reason this is a big deal is because three of these cups have been sweetened with a packet of sugar. So it's gonna be like, honestly, I don't like adding stuff to my coffee, but it's gonna be a semi-pleasant cup of coffee. And one has been uh, soured with malic acid. If you're not familiar with malic acid, what it is is it's like the chemical in fruits that before they're ripe makes them sour. Or yeah, before they're ripe makes them sour. So it's like a natural thing that so that the plant can like grow the seeds fully within the, within the fruit, it makes animals not wanna eat it. So one of these coffees is gonna be really good and I'm gonna warn the contestants because I did the thing with a straw where you like plug it so it's like COVID safe and tasted it. Um, if yours has a malic acid, it is very sour. It's not pleasant at all. There's your warning. So don't worry, you get to interact with this game as well because like I said, three of them have sugar and one, I'm not, I'm not saying Corey, like I, this is random. Honestly, I don't know who grabbed what. One will have malic acid and their challenge whenever they take this shot of cold brew is if they realize they have the malic acid, they have to try to keep a straight face. So they're gonna try their hardest to cover up the, the sour, bitter flavor of this coffee. Does that make sense? Everybody in the, everybody in the congregation understand? Yes. Everybody at home understand? Great, great, great. All right, um, if, do y'all wanna do a countdown for them then? All right, I will say contestants, you can cover your face with the cup. You can, tr- like, you can try to do whatever you want to hide it, but if you do that, then they're probably gonna guess that yours is sour. So my suggestion is you throw it back and then you just set the cup down and you lock eyes with someone. If you want to make it really awkward, um, just, just find your person out there. Uh, but y'all feel free to count them down when you're ready and then try to figure out who has. So contestants, remember, hide it if you got it. Go ahead. Did y'all get anything? All right, who thinks they, oh no. Who thinks they saw something? Does anybody have a guess about who might have the malic acid? Charlie does. Anybody else? I wanna see you raise hands if you think you might know. Okay, so Trey, you do? You think Adam has it? Uh, Charlie, who did you think? You thought it was Adam? Corey, you thought Corey? Anybody else have a guess? Anybody see any hints? You think it was Trey? You think it was Joe? Wait, what? Joel. Joel? Joel, Jonathan, Adam, Corey, yes. You, who said Jonathan? You think it was John? I think it was All right. So we'll, we'll do the reveal. I want the contestant who had the malic acid to raise their hand. Oh, darn, did everybody have gross coffee? I'm so sorry. I guess I misunderstood the one that I put sugar in. Give them a round of applause. Give them that music as they go back to their seats, if you will, Robert. Now, okay. Okay. Turns out I'm not very good at doing games. Us student pastors, we can't do anything, I guess. Anyway, I'm gonna get these out of my way. So like I said, today we're gonna be going, that's fine, over the story of the prodigal son. 
And like I said, the, the son had made a mistake and we're gonna see his plan as he goes to approach his father. So we are in the book of Luke chapter 15. Let me make sure I get this guy opened up. Uh, and we're gonna read verses 17 through 19 uh, right now to start us off. Like I said, this is gonna be the section uh, where the son, uh, he makes a plan as to what he's gonna do. So if you'll join along, Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 17, says this. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. The first thing we see the son do here is that he fully understands that what he has done is wrong. Could someone in there tell me, like, what was it that he said? What, what was he going to tell his father? It's really awkward. I'll just, what was that? I have sinned. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I know for myself, this, this usually isn't how I approach my mistakes. See, when we mess up, I think a lot of times we try to make excuses or even blatant lies to cover up what we have done wrong. So like, let's pretend you're a child, uh, you're at home, and uh, your mother has one of those fancy china cabinets. And inside uh, are those fancy plates that never get touched, but they just sit there and you kind of look at them, but you also don't, no one really cares about them, but they exist for some reason. And you have the china cabinet, and you're sitting there and you're looking, you're like interested, oh, what, what's with these plates? And then you drop it and it breaks. And you hear from the other room, Stephen, that's my name. They wouldn't call you that. But they, they hear Stephen and they come in and they're like, what's happening? And, and your brother sees the broken china. My first response, if we're being honest, and if you want to be honest yourself, probably isn't mother, I have sinned against heaven and you. I'm not worthy of being called your son. Please just let me clean the room and mow the yard and be a servant because I'm not worthy of being your son anymore. And I think that's what we do a lot of times when we make mistakes. If it's something, um, and I'm, I'm, the son could have done that too. He could have said, you know, uh, God, Father, I know I asked for the inheritance, but what you, what you didn't see is right after I left town, I got mugged. Like I was gonna go buy some land. I was gonna farm so that within three years time, I could give you the inheritance back and then I would have my own money too. And then I would give even more inheritance to my older brother and to, I'd give money to my sisters. Like I was gonna do so many good things with the money, dad, but you don't understand, I got mugged. So can you please, can you give me some more so I can go buy that land? Or maybe, you know, he's like, oh, well, you don't understand, like Dogecoin was, was going up. I, I thought it was gonna keep going, dad, but so I invested and then it crashed and now I have nothing. The, the son could have like made some excuses, but his plan isn't that. But once again, I think ours is, and, and it can be something silly like a plate or it could be something more serious with our, like our finances. Um, and, and, and open honesty in my college years, this is how much I tithed to church I attended. I, I worked there, so it kind of felt like a job and uh, I was really struggling for money. So in my mind, I was like, I'll just, I'll not clock in sometimes. And then my time will kind of be like my tithe since they're not paying me. It's like I'm giving to the church. And I, and I had plenty of excuses, right? Like, oh, I worked 55 hours a week and I'm doing this and that and I'm behind on rent. And I'm, really, I could not go to Waterburger because of my low income. 
twice a month and put that money to tithe. Like it would not have been hard. But in my mind, I made up excuses and justifications for my wrongdoing. And whether it's that or as adults, or maybe it's with quarrels with a spouse or a roommate or a friend. And you can think of justifications like I asked them 12 times to clean those dishes. My anger is justified. Like I told my kids, clean your room. They haven't, they hadn't. They yelled at me. I am justified to be angry and resentful towards my kids. I think we can come up with excuses. I think we can come up with excuses for our lazy Christianity sometimes too. Yeah, I know, I know Austin Life's like really big on those community groups and discipleship groups, but like, you don't understand, like work's been busy. I don't get off until 6.30 p.m. one night a week. So like, I can't, I don't have it in me. I think in reality, we make excuses or just blatant lies to cover our mistakes, but the son doesn't do that. He may, at least he makes a plan, right? He says, Father, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm not worthy of being called your son. Can, can I just go work the fields and can you give me some bread? Can I stay not in your beautiful home, but your servant's quarters? And can I just work for you? The other thing we see here is that uh, with that, he doesn't even feel worthy of being restored. He doesn't, his plan isn't, I'm gonna come to the Father and I'm going to confess and I'm gonna say, you know what, I've messed up. Can I be your son again? Can you, can you give me a little bit of the inheritance? Can you welcome me back into my room? Like, can you clean the storage out of there? Can you take away my little sister's items? Can I have that room myself? There's not a sense of pride or of deserving good things from the son. Instead, he recognizes his mistake and he goes, I'm, I'm not even worthy of being called your son. Let's move on. Let's read 20 through 21, 20 and 21. Um, I thought about that Hampton during prayer gathering. You said through, and then you said two verses. And I was like, is it through or is it you? Did you just say and? And then I did the exact same thing. So I, I, I'm sorry. I like judged you in my head a little bit. And then I literally did exactly what I was judging you for. But we're going to see here the response uh, of the father seeing his son and then uh, what the son actually tells his dad. Starting in verse 20, says this. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Um, I love my father and my father loves me. But uh, Robert's got a video of how I think the reaction, if I saw my father running down the road to me, I'm gonna be honest, this is what I think would happen and honestly what I would expect. So feel free to go ahead and show that uh, on our screen. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Is that, is that Gulak? It's true Gulak. Certainly appears to be. We know the rivalry that's been brewing. Anybody else with me right now? Like Drew Gulak. Anybody else anybody else feel that like on a deep level? Like like if if I told my dad I'd rather you be dead, give me your stuff, and then I went and wasted it all, and then I had the audacity to walk up the driveway again. Like, I, I don't know if I would expect a big old hug, and that's not a knock on my father. I feel like that's what I would deserve, right? Like, I feel like I have earned this sense of justified punishment. And, and I, 
I, I feel like that's what I would get. But we see a different reaction from the father here. Verse 20, it says that when he saw his son really far away, he runs to him and he embraced him and he kissed him. See, see the father, he runs and gives his son a, a hug. Instead of giving him some sweet chin music and a, maybe a people's elbow to the ground, I was talking with Corey beforehand. I was a big WWE fan. Uh, Corey said he was. He got to live in the golden age, right? With like Macho Man, Randy Savage, and Hulk Hogan, all those sort of people. The Rock, whenever he was a wrestler and not an actor. Um, but, and he's phenomenal both. That wasn't a knock on The Rock. Please don't come uh, beat me up. But we see here that instead of that like aggression, instead of anger, we see the love of the Father. And I would either expect that or a second thing. Maybe I would, I would expect to begin to see my dad on the porch and he would recognize it's me. And instead of even running to yell or to be upset, maybe he would just slowly, with a shake of his head, stand up, go inside and lock the door behind him. Like, I, not, not, this is not a knock on my father. This is what I would expect because I feel like that's what I would deserve. I feel like I would deserve anger, disappointment, um, and, and to be treated, to be treated the same way I treated him, poorly. But the love of the Father is different. See, the love of God is not one that wants an explanation for why we messed up. Everybody okay? All right. A little less light. Sorry about that, guys. The love of, I'll read this again. The love of God is not one that wants an explanation for why we messed up but it's one that wants a hug when we mess up. The love of God is not there to say, where is my money? Why, how dare, why are you walking back in all these tattered clothing? I gave you so much, why aren't you dressed properly? It's not one that wants an explanation for why we've messed up, but it's a love that sees us and just wants to give us a hug. If you will briefly flip over to Romans. Uh, Oh, sorry. No, don't do that. I lied. I lied. Well, you can. You can flip there. But uh, as you do, I want, I want to challenge the people here in this room. Uh, first, by telling you a story. See, my wife and I, uh, when we were uh, in Muleshoe, we were foster parents, and we had uh, a brother and sister. And one day, the son uh, comes from comes home from school. And see, the way we did it is him and I both love playing Fortnite together. He loves video games. And, and in our home, once the, if, if they had homework or if they didn't, we'd have 30 minutes of homework slash you need to read a book time. And if you have more homework, then that extends, right? You got to finish your homework. And then we'd give them, depending on the day, 30 minutes to an hour of electronics time. So our son would go and play Fortnite and our daughter would scroll around on TikToks and YouTube on the tablet. And uh, there was a specific Wednesday when I was already at the church and I was with our students uh, that he came home and, you know, Sarah was like, okay, like what homework do you have? And he showed her this really quick assignment and in about 10 minutes he finished it. And then we got to church and his teacher, Miss Edwards, attended our church. So she sees him in the dinner line and she's like, hey, like were you able to finish that project? Yes, ma'am, I finished the project. That's good, I can't wait to see the work you did whenever you come to school tomorrow. And then again, before bedtime, we ask him, hey, y'all have both done your homework, right? Both, yep, yep, we've done it, we're ready for school tomorrow. Sarah worked at that same elementary school and halfway through the day, Miss Edwards comes up to her and she goes, hey, why didn't Calvin do that assignment? 
he said he did all of his homework. No, he had a project. And what it was is he wanted to play Fortnite, right? And I think we all, especially kids, listen to your parents, don't play video games, do your schoolwork. But I think we can all relate to that, right? When there's something we want to do and then there's a chore in the way, like we want to do the, we want to do the fun thing. So we asked him whenever he got home, like, hey, bud, like, why didn't you just tell us? Like, why didn't you tell us that you didn't do it? And his response, I think, speaks a lot for the way that all of us as humans have a tendency to treat people. And he said, I didn't want to tell you because I was afraid you would be mad at me. I was afraid that you'd yell at me. I was afraid that you'd ground me. I'd, I'd, I, was, I was scared to tell you I had done something wrong. And, and since it's Father's Day, for the people who are fathers in a room, I want to speak specifically to you for a second. Um, do your kids experience a love like the father here, where they know whenever they mess up, that they're not gonna be yelled at, that they're not going to be punished, but that they're gonna be approached, that they're gonna be met with a hug before they're asked for an explanation of why they got uh, in trouble at school or why they were beating up their brother or sister in, in the playroom. Do they know they're gonna be met with a hug or love? And for the rest of us in the room, whether you're a mother or whether you're not a parent or whether you're just in college or whether you're a teenager or preteen, do your friends, do your family members, do your people, whoever you're dating, do they experience a love like God loves us? Because see, the way the Father loves is not one that wants an explanation. That's not God's first concern. His concern is us and our well-being, and he just wants to give us a hug. Now, as we move on, book of Romans, uh, chapter five, verses six through eight tell us this. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In this story, Jesus is telling a parable of people, right, who always done everything right. They've checked the boxes, and, and for them, in order to please God, you have to do that. But Jesus is telling them here in this parable that his love just isn't for the people who've checked the boxes, but it's the people who've gone and, and wasted his blessings and wasted his goodness. And they might be way down the road, but his love sees us there. While we were still sinners, while we were still caught up in our failure, Christ died for us. I want us to finish up the last section. There's, there's more to this story, but we're gonna keep it just to the middle section here. So verses 23 through 24 end this section of the story, right? And, and it says that the father gave him a hug and then the son admitted what he had done wrong. And then starting in verse 22, we have this. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive. Again, he was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. See, the son's guilt separated him into solitude. His guilt took him to the point where he said, I just, I want to eat with the pigs. I'm not worthy of being in my family anymore. I just want to work the fields so I can have some bread. 
But this is the good news. The Father's love restores him in celebration. You know, it's, it's, it's Father's Day, and, and I, I know that I will never be able to fully match up to the love of God for me with my daughter Liv and any, any other kids that we might have. But we see here such clear guidance as to how we are to love others and how we are to welcome others, and more importantly, what God does for us. And that once again, our guilt separates us into solitude, but the Father's love restores us in celebration. Some of you might be very familiar with this, but the robe and the ring signify the importance of the son. So when the father calls in a robe and, and he puts that on his son and they're about to throw a party, that tells everyone, hey, this guy is what the party's about. Like this, it, he gets to sit at the head of the table. This is why we're throwing a party. And it's not as common now. We have like, we have wedding rings. Uh, we have some newly married and soon to be married. They're literally sitting right next to each other. How about that? Uh, we, have, we have wedding rings, right? And this signifies that I am married to my wife. But it doesn't really tell you who I'm married to. It's just when someone sees it, they're like, oh, he must be married to somebody. But see, back then they would have had seals on their rings so that instead of me just saying, I'm married to my wife, they would say, oh, that is the McCaslin family. And what the father's doing is he's saying, this guy put a robe on him and make sure everybody knows that he's in my family. No one's gonna mistake. No one's gonna think like he thinks that he's a servant or he's unworthy or he's just a, a guest. He is a center of attention and he is a part of my family. The father celebrates his son. And there's a few things we see and I, and I want us to soak in this morning from God's word. And to do that, I wanna tell you a story. See, I've, I, my students have heard this story. I've told this story before, but never live on YouTube, Facebook, and everything else, nor recorded to be reposted for everyone to watch. This is the most embarrassing story of my life. You guys ready for it? Ready for it? First, I wanna show you a picture. If you could throw that up. This is baby Steven. Baby being like eight or so years old. I wanna point out two parts of this. The first thing, that haircut was a choice. My wife, my, wife, my mom uh, owned a hair salon before we were born. A very skilled hairstylist. It's not because she's bad, I asked for that. I was like, yeah, just take some scissors while my hair's wet and just kind of like cut it so that when it's dry, it does whatever it, it wants. Um, second thing, and I told Robert this, and I think Corey, maybe you were back there. Uh, this was right about the time that Grills by Paul Wall came out. And if you notice, like, whole top diamond and bottom rose gold, like, I felt so cool. I didn't care that I had bad teeth, but every single tooth on the top of my mouth had a silver cap. So not only did I have a terrible haircut and thought I was cool, I had really stupid teeth and thought I was cool. So to add, like, to add to the embarrassment of the story, just know that this is who this happens to. You can take that down, please. Don't let anybody see that again. Um, so I was about 10. Uh, we have some RBI people. Is Sarah in here? Where are you? What age, do you know what age like kids go from like machine pitch to like kid pitch? Do you know that information? Okay, anybody, any baseball fans? Isn't it like around 10 or 11? 10? Down? 10 or 11? Okay, so I, it was my first year. So I was about 10 or 11 in the story. So I guess it was a few years after that picture. Uh, so yeah, we are in the middle of the game, it's a close game. It's like a game that will like allow us to go to the tournament or not. And I am, I am third up to bat in this inning. And I realize 
I have got to poop so badly. So I tell my coach, my coach, I got to go to the bathroom. And he says, no. Because we're old enough now, you're not a little kid. If you go to the bathroom, that counts as an out, and we need you. So I'm like, okay, I can do this. So I wait, and now I am on deck. And I am, wait, in the hole? In the hole. I'm in the hole. I'm in the hole, and I'm right up next to bat. Uh, sports are my expertise, as you can tell. Um, and I'm up next to bat, and finally, it's like the count's like one and one and one. And I go to coach my coach. I don't care about the stupid game. I'm 10 years old. No, I didn't say that. I said, coach, I've, I've, I've got to go. This is, this is an emergency. So he's like begrudgingly, he's like, okay. Um, the thing is, is this is a rather large baseball complex and the bathrooms were about 100 yards yonder way. Corey will appreciate that word. Bath, the bathroom's about 100 yards yonder way. And so I began power walking <laughs> and I realized that the power walk isn't fast enough. So then I began to jog but then I didn't think about what the motion of jogging does for the bowels in your body. And in that moment, 50 yards still from the bathroom, I had, to this day, the worst explosive diarrhea of my entire life. Uh, baseball pants are tight too, so they don't really do much to, to help you with that. And, and I get to the bathroom and to spare all the details, I do my best because I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, oh my gosh, we still have a game. Like, I, I don't know what to do. Do I just, like, do I go, I can't, like, I don't have a cell phone. I can't call my mom and be like, we're sneaking out the back. I'd have to walk past the dugout and like tap my mom on the shoulder. Like, so I come up with a plan. See, lucky for me, this was in East Texas and it had been raining all week. And if you know East Texas dirt, it's like a red clay. So I'm like, I've got this. We're, we're late in the game. I can kind of slide around in some, in some of the mud so that no one will know what happened. That's not the end of the story. I get back to the dugout. Like I said, it had been raining all week and it decides to start raining again. So we get put in a rain delay. So we've got 18 little kids or so, I don't know, sitting in a really small dugout. Everybody know the coach's son is the coolest kid on the team, right? Or he's like, the biggest loser but and this team was, he was the coolest kid on the team and we're sitting there it's pouring down rain and I am sweating bullets so worried but I'm like thinking like maybe it worked like maybe my maybe my little sliding method worked coach's son goes man who farted in here it smells terrible and I'm just I'm like sitting at the very edge of the dugout like oh no so eventually, like, the rain passes. They have to cancel the game because the f field's too ruined, so we go home. The story doesn't end there. And I think my mom knows the story. She'll probably watch this. Um, I was 10. We lived in the country, so I couldn't just, like, dispose of anything in the alley dump way or anything. Oh, sorry. Um, so I didn't, I didn't know what to do, so I just, like, threw my poopy underwear in the trash. And then a few hours later, my mom comes to me, and she's like, Hey, buddy, you want to explain something to me? And in my embarrassment, it's like I, I thought I had figured it out, right? Like I could slide around, I could cover it up, and no one will know. But instead, it's like all these people caught me, and I had such like the most anxiety-inducing period of my life. And you guys can sit there and laugh at me all you want, but I bet you do the same thing every stinking day, literally. Every day. I bet you get caught doing the same thing. And we see it throughout scripture too, right? Adam and Eve in the garden, they, they sin against God and they hide in the bushes when they hear him walking. And God says, hey, where are you? It's not that God didn't know where they were. 
He knew exactly where they were. He was wanting them to quit covering the poop stains. He was wanting them to step out and say, Father, I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy of being your son. Can you just let me till the garden? Can you let me take care of the Garden of Eden and maybe make new humans that haven't messed up? I'm not worthy. But they don't. They come out and they start saying, well, the woman made me do it. Well, the snake made me do it. And they can't own their mistakes. And then right afterwards, we have their children, Cain and Abel. God favors one offerings over the other. And whenever Cain kills his brother, God says, hey, where's your brother? Am I, am I my brother's keeper? I don't know. Wait, am I, is that my job? God knew Abel's dead in the field. He wasn't unaware of the surroundings. He knew he was there. He was wanting Cain to say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you, but he didn't. He made a cover-up. David, right, in the story with him and Bathsheba, the greatest king to ever live, uh, and he, he sees this woman and he sleeps with her and he gets her pregnant and she's married to another man. And instead of saying, Father, Uriah, Bathsheba, I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy of being the king. Can you just let me go till the fields? He begins covering it up and he gets Uriah killed and then he marries her and all of these bad things happen. And I'm gonna guess that you found yourself in the same way. Maybe it's with pride, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's with drunkenness. Maybe you're saying, oh God, I, I, I was just, it was, it was, it was, it was so-and-so's birthday. We were just out celebrating. There was nothing wrong. Like I, I was, it was, it was all good thing. It was all my Christian friends, right? So it, it, there was nothing wrong with being drunk. It was, it was just my friends. God, like uh, it, it, it's okay. And we cover that up. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I have been at points in my life and uh, Charlie Crockett has a song called Saturday Satan, Sunday Saint, right? And it's, it's a song about all these people who are trying to fool their neighbors. Like, you know, okay, well, you know, I come to church with a smile, but in reality, I'm gossiping the whole time in the back pew. And, and I think there's a reason that there's a song about that, and that's because we, we catch ourselves doing that way too much. Y'all remember our game, right? I told you that only one was gonna have the sour cup and everyone did. And what did all four of those people try to do, even though I told them to do it? What did they do? They try to cover it up. Guys, if, if, if you're here this morning and you feel, right, like you, guys and gals, if, that, that you have something that, that needs to be covered up, I'm gonna let you in on a secret. Everybody's cup is sour around you. You may think like I'm the only one who's got it. Everyone else's life is all sweet and everything's fine. So here in this room, I need to like, I need to slip my hand up even though I'm like checking my text down here so that everyone thinks that I'm worshiping God and that everyone thinks that it's okay and that I like maybe they'll ask me to serve on a team because they know that I really love the God and I, and I never make mistakes. But everyone's cup is sour. We have here on the road, the sun is far away, but he understands two things. He understands confession and he understands repentance. See the son. He, he doesn't try to think, oh, well, you know what? I, I, I'll cover it up. Like I can tell dad that someone robbed me and if I can just be your son again. He understands what he's done wrong and he understands repentance. He comes to his dad and he's like, dad, I'm, I'm not worthy to be called your son. I don't want to live that life anymore. I want to turn away from it and I want to live a new life. Can you let me start as a servant again? I, I want to be fed. I want to be taken care of. And here's the love of the father for us. The love of the father is the one that meets us on the road, 
gives us a robe to lift us up. And he clothes us in his righteousness that we can't have because we've messed up. And he puts his ring and he says, you're my family. Like, you, you don't have to worry about how sour your cup is or how much mud you've had to slide in to cover yourself up. You are the center of attention. You, no, that sounds bad. You are celebrated today. And, and I want to encourage you and challenge you. And then we're going to be done and we're going to spend some time worshiping the Lord and his goodness. The first thing is this. God is waiting on the porch for you today and he's going to meet you where you are. Right, it doesn't say that when the son was a far away, away God sees him, or his, his father saw him and once he got 10 paces, right, once he started to step onto the porch, then the father says, oh, thank goodness you've made it here. I, I, I love you, son. You've, you've come to this point where I can love you. No, the love of the father says, that's where you are as soon as I see you seeking me, I'm there. And, and he doesn't wait to cloak us in righteousness once he takes us home. He doesn't wait to say, you're a part of my family once we've made it back home. There, in our filth and in our mistakes, through confession and repentance, he says, you are my family, you are clothed in my righteousness now. So today, if that's you, like it doesn't matter if you're one step away. It doesn't matter if you're a quarter mile down the road or if you have feel like you, your life has just been filled with so many, so many mistakes that you're 20 miles away. When we confess our sins and when we repent, we turn to God, he shows up there. And he doesn't take his time. He doesn't walk. He sprints from the front step and he says, come on, I'm here I love you, he braces you, he will clothe you in his righteousness and he will welcome you into his family. But the second thing is this, and, and this is the challenge, right? We're not allowed to keep covering up and covering up and making excuses for our sin. Yeah, y'all can come on. <laughs> You're not allowed to keep covering up and making excuses for your sin. And the reason being isn't because God wants to control you or God wants to do something to take over your life. But listen to the story. There's a party waiting for you. There is celebration. There is fullness of life. There is joy. There is peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control waiting for you. God's not going to bring a piece of the fattened calf and sit in the dirty, dusty, hot, hot as mess Texas sun with you. So no, there's no glory in that. He's, he's got a celebration. He's got fullness of life waiting. So whenever he meets us, no matter where we are, he's gonna be there. He's gonna call you into his family, but he's gonna say, hey, walk with me back home. Like I, I've got something for you over here that's so much better. I know, you, I know you took your blessings. I know you wasted them. I know you've sinned against heaven and me, but you're not a servant. You're in my home. Let's go. Let's, let's not sit in the road anymore. This place, this place is terrible. Let's go back home. He welcomes you there, but he calls you to something so much more, so much more. And our, man, isn't, can't we so grateful for his love and his compassion for us in that way? So maybe this morning, right? Maybe this morning you, 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 have, you are open and honest with God. You, you repent and you are there. Then you know what? We're about to sing. I want you to celebrate in the party. 
and in the fullness of life that God is showing you. He is pointing you towards and he is moving you towards more every day. I want you to celebrate his love and his kindness towards us as we sing. But maybe some of you this morning, maybe you're a step off the porch, maybe you're 20 miles off the porch and you just need to say, you know what, God? I've sinned against you. I messed up. Okay, can, can, I just, can, I just, can I just be in the family again? He's gonna be there with you. And he's gonna begin to walk with you to the, to the celebration of life that he has planned in you for you. So maybe today, as, as we continue on in song, you just need to, you need to be honest and you need to pray. And further than that, maybe you need to go to your spouse, to your roommate, to your kids, to your parents, or maybe your discipleship group, especially your discipleship group, if you have one. That's why we have these. Because we will never move towards the fullness of life if we're just covering up, covering up, covering up and hiding. God has a party, a celebration waiting for us. Maybe you need to text right now your discipleship group. Uh, Hayden's in mind. Maybe you can text while playing the cajon. This is more important. But like, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Maybe take the time and just, just, open, just open up. Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. So, so no matter where you are, right? This time is for you. Time to be, join in in that celebration. Maybe a time to confess and repent and then come join the celebration. Or maybe you're here and you're like, you know what? I want to do either of those things. That's awesome. Glad you're here. I pray that, the, that the, the goodness of God will continue to be shown to you here in this place as we continue in worship. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.